Oh, wait. That, what about that one you just looked at? Here it is. Yeah, it's this one. Yeah. I'm looking at the wrong one. That's trying to find it in the wrong page. Why aren't there okay. any confused superheroes? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Rob and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. Welcome everybody to yet another episode of AT Banter. As Oh, I almost said as usual. As usual, I almost fell into that old that old habit that you you're trying to break me of. Yeah, but I we am will break you. I am Rob Minow. I'm Steve Barkley. Hey, I was wait. Now you're taking my thunder. Oh, come on! All right, come on. I'm Rob Minow, and today I'm joined with Steve Barkley. Hello. And uh, usually we have Ryan Flurry here, but he has decided to take vacation. Actually, he's had a sudden and uh, dramatic sex change operation. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, we are joined today by Rachel Nolan, who is otherwise known as the voice of the podcast. You you hear her every episode at the beginning and at the end. Uh, she's she's filling in Ryan's spot today. Hello. So today we have a little bit of a interesting podcast. This this sort of came about a few episodes ago where we just somehow ended up talking about disabled superheroes and we thought, "Hey, what the heck? Why don't we why don't we make it a topic for a show?" So it's a little different, it's a little a little unusual, but uh the more we started to research into it, uh, the more of a it's, relevant it's got topic. Some meat. It's got some meat to it. So And if you throw a little bit of pop culture in there as well, you've got uh the basis for a pretty meaty show. That's right. You've got a whole uh, uh, jambalaya of a show. Yeah. Now I should uh, I should point out that uh, somewhere in this podcast we're probably going to offend everybody. Because when you start talking about media portrayals of people with disabilities, they get it wrong so many times and in so many ways that uh, it's almost impossible to talk about this topic without uh, upsetting someone. So if you get upset, fan mail. As they say, there's no such thing as bad press, just bad letters. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, <clears throat> well, before we get into that, though, I got I've, I did have some follow up stories from from some stuff that we were talking about a few episodes ago. I think it was one of our first episodes, actually, we were talking a little bit about wearable tech, and in specifically, we were talking about the Google Glass. And we came across this, I thought this was kind of interesting, where the Google Glass is, is kind of still around. It's it's not it's not dead by any means. I mean, they've taken it off the market in terms of a, a commercial product, but from the sounds of it, there are researchers that are still working on developing some, some pretty interesting um, technology for it. Well, that platform, even though Google themselves may not uh, produce Google Glasses uh, down the road, um, wearable tech and products like that may still be based around the uh, the operating system, the Android operating system. Um, you know, our, our own uh, new eyeglasses, the, uh, what they call the visual prosthetic for people with low vision, um, that is based on the Android platform and uh, 
Uh, I believe they call it uh, Reticule OS, which is a, a branding of the of the Android. Right. Well, in this case, um, it sounds like they're using the Google Glass um, in a some a series of of experiments for children with autism to help them be able to identify emotions in people and also to get them to uh, look people in the eye because oftentimes uh, kids with autism will not uh, engage with people they they won't uh, make eye contact um, so these glasses will actually if they look at somebody help them understand the emotions written on that person's face yeah so the way it works is that i guess the um it's an app that that ties into the google glass <clears throat> and it's facial recognition software the the camera detects um, emotions on on faces and then it uh, flashes a, a word or an, an emoticon within the the hud to let the the child know that you know what emotion is that being expressed. That stands for heads up display for those who don't know. That's right. Whoever's not a gamer. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like they've had some some uh, relative success with this. So there have been some some pretty positive uh, results, as they say, in the in the uh, beginning couple of years. Uh, still in its early stages, but uh, but there's uh, some hope that this is going to help autistic people quite a bit. They're really they seem to be really positive about the idea of wearable tech. Um, in terms of, of, of what it could what it could mean for assistive technology. So by, by no means is the Google Glass dead. I mean it, it and this sort of goes back to the point that I was making in in that earlier podcast. I mean, there's still a lot of potential for for wearable tech turning into to some real relevant AT, I think. And I mean this is just one one example of that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, it sounds like uh, they're like they're, like you said they're having some success with it, and uh, you know the the study's ongoing. So um, they say that if it if it shows positive results, they it could come become commercially available in the next few years. So this could be a, this could be a big breakthrough for for autistic children. Well, you know, I think uh, that wearable tech, that um, that facial recognition thing, it could be really really powerful for other types of people like me. Or men in general. Because I'm really good at recognizing people's faces when I see them, but I will often completely blank out on people's names. So right. you, you'll never catch me introducing anybody to anybody else, even oftentimes when I have known them for many years, because I'll go to introduce them and all of a sudden my brain just goes and I completely forget what the person's name is. I, for some reason, I just can't access it. So if I had wearable tech that... You know, I could turn to and it would go, hey, it's Rob. <laughs> I would probably introduce people occasionally. There you go. Yeah, that's a good idea, too. But I think this also has applications in in just in, in relationships, too. I mean, men in general could really use this technology where it's that's just like. true. I see where you're getting out with that. I know, right? Sense. I know. <laughs> Wait, so I can go out with the guys? <laughs> danger, danger. <laughs> Glasses say you're wrong. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> uh, okay, so one other thing, one other minor news story uh, that I thought was interesting was uh, Amazon has announced that their new Kindle now has a... Uh, text-to-speech option built into it and, and Bluetooth built into it as well so that you could potentially uh, hook a external Bluetooth speaker up to your Kindle and have it read to you. 
Yeah, so there's a couple couple different models of the Kindle Reader that um, that are capable of having TTS. Uh, one of them is the uh, Alexa, uh, and now the new Amazon Kindle. The the article just calls it the new Amazon Kindle. I'm not sure if that's exactly its name or not. Um, it's probably just their base. Their their there's the new version of their base unit. I would yeah, assume. Yeah, it could right? be. Uh, but they say it has uh, Bluetooth to allow you to have stuff uh, spoken out loud via Bluetooth. And it also has voice view technology, which reads menus and navigation items as well. And they also say that they've introduced a new adapter for no extra cost that turns on voice view as soon as the adapter is plugged into the Kindle's USB port. Uh, so this has been brought about uh, as a partnership with the National Federation for the Blind, Go NFB. And, uh, yeah, it's going to improve accessibility, uh, not just for the blind community, but for uh, an even larger community that um, is uh, print disabled. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's cheap. It's uh, uh, 80, 80 bucks with ads and 100 bucks without ads. So, Yeah, that's weird. I didn't realize that Kindles came in two different flavors like that, with ads and without ads. Yeah, yeah. Do you but, want to be annoyed? Or do you not want to be annoyed? Is it worth 20 bucks to you to not be annoyed? Yeah, I think definitely. Yeah. Definitely. My annoyance level is worth at least $20. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Kindles are dirt cheap. I, I, you know, I got got Des a Kindle for Christmas and she loves it, even though she was on the fence about it initially, but. I'm just thinking about 20 bucks for not being annoyed. I wonder if that would work for me on weekends, you know? When the religious people come knocking at the door, you know, if I just had 20 bucks taped up there and just said, take the 20, go away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too bad we can't apply that across all our lives. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. There's a whole business model here. There is. Tripping around in my head. You know? yeah, yeah. 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 Pay me 20 bucks and I'll make sure Donald Trump never appears on your TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tall order. That is, that is. You might have to wait a few months for that. Well, you know, as long as you can, you know, there's there's good color detectors out there. You just set them to detect the color orange. And... <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What are you going to do when, when he's out of the news? Like I, he... I don't know. I, I, I won't have anything at all to say on Twitter anymore. I know. Yeah. We'll kind of miss him. Kind of. Yeah. Unless he actually wins, and in which case, I don't even know. I just prepare brace for the apocalypse i i don't know if it's so much bracing for the apocalypse but it is definitely going to be well as long as we're still alive uh, uh fuel for for every comedian on the planet yeah we should also talk about the fact that uh daisy the office dog really did not want us to do this podcast today how's that she she almost she sabotaged almost us oh that's right she tried to she tried to <laughs> She ran amok in the recording studio. She ended up knocking over a microphone stand and severing one of our vital cables. <laughs> and it was only through the miracle of tape <laughs> and some solder that we were able to be on the air right now. So, disabled superheroes. Disabled superheroes. Well, let's let's talk a little bit first about just just general portrayals of um, uh, people with disabilities in uh, media. So this is uh, from a paper called uh, Common Portrayals of Persons with Disabilities, uh, which I found at a website called uh, Media Smarts. 
and uh, it, it's kind of interesting. Um, it talks about the different portrayals of, of uh, people, and it talks about the 10 different uh, typical portrayals. So first, let's talk about just general portrayals of people with uh, disabilities in the media. Right. Um, there's a paper called Discrimination, Disabled People in the Media. This uh, article first appealed, appeared in Contact, number 70, Winter Edition, pages 45 through 48 in 1991. And uh, what it said was that there are 10 commonly recurring disabling stereotypes in the mass media. These include the disabled person as pitiable and pathetic, as an object of curiosity or violence, as sinister or evil, as the super cripple, as atmosphere, as laughable, as his or her own worst enemy, as a burden, as non-sexual, and as being unable to participate in daily life. These stereotypes are particularly evident on television, in the press, and in advertising. But clearly, these also carry through to comic books. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because we found those very same stereotypes repeated over and over again in comics. Right. And sorry, when was that article um, uh, published? 91. Yeah. yeah, okay. So it's it's a little old, but I think that it still, it still applies now. And... It, this is the problem with, with a lot of the portrayals because most most people with disabilities are just people and want to just be seen as people. They don't want to be identified by their disability. They don't want to be defined by their disability. They just want to get on with their lives and, and do what they want to do without prejudgment. Right. And media and comics are clearly, in most cases, providing a disservice. In some cases, Absolutely. And there are a few exceptions, and we'll get to those. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what we we discovered in in diving into this topic is that uh, even though on the surface you can you can go through and you can say, well, there's there's a you know, and we did this the the other episode, right, where we went through and hey, there's Daredevil, there's Professor Xavier, there's you know, there's all these characters that have disabilities, but if you really sort of dive into it they're not necessarily positive portrayals of of disability yeah so let's let's talk about some of the uh, some of the ones we found because uh, there was a, a terrific um uh post on comic vine by somebody named rawhide kid uh who apparently hasn't posted lately get back on that uh, rawhide kid because you did a good list um listing the different uh, characters that he'd found with disabilities so we had uh, Alicia Masters, who was who was blind. Uh, we had Ape X, uh, paraplegic. Artie Maddox, mute. Uh, Barbara Gordon, paraplegic uh, for for a good stretch of time. She wasn't always. Uh, blind Faith, who was blind. Blindfold, who was blind. Uh, the Chief, paraplegic for the majority of his career. Count Vertigo, who was partially deaf. Cyborg, an amputee. Cyclops, partially blind without his visor. Uh, Daredevil, of course, who's blind. Deathstroke, who's blind in one eye. Destiny, who's blind. Destiny of the Endless, who's blind. Dr. Midnight, who's partially blind. Dr. Midnight again, who's partially blind. Apparently it's a different Dr. Midnight. Uh, Charles M. McNeeter, who's blind. Uh, Dr. Psycho, dwarfism. Uh, Donovan Kane, amputee. Echo, deaf. Forge, amputee. 
Jordy LaForge, who I don't really think of as a superhero. Uh, He's a Star Trek character. Yeah, that's... Uh, but media portrayal, blind. Uh, Hodor, who's blind, not to be confused with Hodor from Game of Thrones. Hold the door. Uh, hey, hey, no spoilers. Oh, sorry. Uh, Hornet, uh, palsied right arm. Iron Man, heart condition. Uh, Jubilee, dyscalculia. I did not realize that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, learning disability uh, has to do with numbers. Uh, Karma, who's an amputee. K, blind, off and on. I'm not sure what turns that off or on. Uh, Komodo, double amputee, when in human form. Libra, blind. Lizard, amputee, when in human form. Luke Skywalker, again, don't think of him as a superhero. He's just your average Jedi Knight. Uh, amputee. Uh, Madame Webb, blind. Master Izo, blind. Uh, Mila Donovan, blind. Misty Knight, amputee. Mole Man, partially blind. Mr. X, paraplegic. Nick Fury, blind in one eye. Niles Cable, paraplegic. Professor Ojo, blind. Professor X, paraplegic. On again, off again. Puck, dwarfism. Shroud, blind. Silhouette, paralyzed from the waist down. Snow blind. Go figure, blind. <laughs> Stick, blind. Pretty good list. 47 different portrayals of superheroes. Now, I didn't. Act, I, I was going to sit down with this list and actually go through it to figure out how many of these were good guys and how many of these were bad guys. And uh, what I found was that an awful lot of them, I think the majority indeed, were either bad guys or at one time were bad guys or became bad guys yeah that'd be interesting to go through that list and see what what the percentage is absolutely although there's there i noticed there is one one uh one missing and that's hawkeye who in the comics is deaf did not know that yeah he went deaf he he had to he used a sonic arrow on himself to to break out of a hypnotic trance and uh deafened himself let that be a lesson to you, kids. No sonic arrows to yourself. That's right. So if you look at that list, I'd say a good majority of them are blind. Why do you think that is as opposed to other disabilities? Well, the the super blindness um, type of character has been around for a long, long time. And uh, I think it starts uh, with the um, misconception that uh, blind people have superhuman other right. senses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, and, and I think that's a, a common stereotype that a lot of people uh, persist in believing to this day. Yeah. Um, you know, they think that as soon as you lose your vision, all of a sudden your, your hearing, your smell, and your sense of touch become superhuman, far, far better than the, than the average Joe. But the fact is they're just paying better attention to them because they're needing them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. That sort of speaks to part of the other problem with the way that disability is portrayed in comic books um, and and I would say in media in general in the sense that their superpowers sort of negate the disability. So, for example, Daredevil is a good example of that. Daredevil right. is a blind character, but really he's not because he has these superpowers that allow him to see he's a just super, in a different way super echolocator and when you boil it down to it because he can echolocate 
perfectly all the time to the point where he can, you know, knock weapons out of the air and stuff. Um, yeah, he's not really blind per se. Actually, at the end of the day, all you could really say is that he's colorblind. That's right. Yeah. But in the show, the newer show on Netflix, they do kind of touch on the fact that he struggled with his newfound extra sensitivities with his other senses. Um, yeah, I read I read an interesting uh, an interesting article arguing that uh, Daredevil was actually autistic as well because of because of that because where they right. talk about him struggling with sensation and just being overstimulated mm-hmm. by a lot of things they said yeah you know he's he's autistic and blind which is an interesting you know it's it's interesting i'm not buying it but it's interesting that is interesting um you know there's um there's also the uh, the recurring theme of the uh, the blind martial artist um, you right. know, I, I was watching a show last night, Marco Polo on Netflix, where we have uh, thousand eyes, the character thousand eyes, who's mm-hmm. a, a blind martial artist. And, uh, there, there actually are a, a good number of blind martial artists out there. Some of them are very, very good. Uh, we can give a shout out to our uh, buddy, Larry Lewis down in the States, who, uh, is a practitioner of jujitsu and, uh, who uh, has been in uh, grappling competitions and, uh, I probably wouldn't want him to ever get a hold of me if he was mad at me. Um, I've got, uh, an ex camp kid from, uh, the CNIB Bowen camps that we used to do Johnny Ty, who, uh, is, uh, I believe it's, uh, Krav Maga that he's into. Um, he's a very high level martial artist as well. So, uh, Larry and, uh, Johnny, uh, I want to see you two fight. Fight. Yeah. In the past, a lot of times disability is used in comics as either, a plot device or it's used as like you said to build certain traits in characters that are either villainous or or pitiable a lot of them aren't necessarily a realistic portrayal of disability one thing that really surprised me if you think about it professor xavier is in a wheelchair i don't think i've ever in a single comic or in any of the movies, have I ever seen a wheelchair ramp anywhere in the X-Mansion? Ooh, that's a good point. I see a lot of stairs. I don't know how, how he gets upstairs or even gets out of his house. Doesn't his chair levitate? Uh, well, yeah, I guess later in the comics it does. But does it really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, but it's good there still. You go. They got some splaining <laughs> to do. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about a fairly popular comic franchise and that's the x-men so what's interesting about the x-men and and the idea of the mutant is that it lends itself kind of well to the idea of being disabled it's almost metaphorical it is a little metaphorical i mean it it's always been a five syllable word i'm so (laughs) proud of myself that's pretty good (laughs) yeah i mean there's a lot of metaphors that you can plug into that right you know it's certainly been used as as a you know a racial metaphor you know, yes. as, as sexism, you know, anything that's, that's, um, makes people feel isolated or, you know, different and how isolating that is. So it does lend itself to the, to the, that metaphor for sure. And, and I mean, if you think about all the, the different, you know, X-Men characters, a lot of them have superpowers, but it's always chained with some sort of large disadvantage that puts them at a disadvantage so for example you've got 
say Cyclops, uh, who, you know, he can shoot energy beams from his eyes, but he can't control it. And has to wear glasses all the time. Yeah, that's right. right wear a visor. Or, and he's blind when the visor is off. Yeah, that's right. Well, he's not necessarily, he's not blind. He can see, but he has to keep his eyes closed or else he just destroys everything that's in front of him. So technically... I mean, I certainly wouldn't want that, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, I don't think I'd want that either. Although I do have to wear glasses all the time, so maybe you know what the heck. Maybe. Yeah, kind of an upgrade, you know. Yeah. If I got it, yeah, if I got to wear glasses yeah. all the time, then I might as well, you know, be able to shoot energy. Yeah, exactly. Then you have Wolverine, who obviously struggles with the fact, you know, that he he's powerful, and but it's not something he ever really wanted for himself. Yep, that's right. Or and, and he's had immortality thrust upon him. Right. Yeah, and a healing factor. Oh, such a pain. Or in um, the second newest X Men movie, what one? What is that called? Days, Days, of, Future Days of Future Past. Past. Yep. Um, a, you know, one of the main storylines is uh, Professor Xavier. You know, he he gets the serum or some special drug that actually allows him to walk, but um, it blocks out his his mutancy, I guess, you know, his, his telepathy. And he, he actually prefers that. He, I guess, would rather walk than be super powerful. Right. And that sends a, sends, you know, a bit of a mixed message, right? Mm -hmm. and, and this idea that um, people who are disabled need to be fixed or that, you know, becoming cured or normal is what they strive for. That's true. It's, um, and it's kind of a damn, like that's, you know, it's very subtle and it's in subtext, but it's still kind of there and it's still a bit of a negative, uh, a negative portrayal, I think. Absolutely. And, and it, I mean, there, there's plenty of people out there who have disabilities who have no interest in it being fixed. You know, I know people who've been born blind and, and have lived blind all their lives. And, you know, if you were to walk up to them and say, Hey, you want, you, you want sight? They go, no, no, I, I, I don't. Because it's it's utterly foreign to them. They've learned to live their lives as yeah. they've lived their lives, and and it'd be like you know me walking up to you and saying, "Hey, you want to be able to read people's minds?" Yes. Yeah. Okay, maybe that's a bad example. That is a bad example. Because <laughs> yes, I would. Yeah. At the very least, I would like a Google Glass that will let me read women's emotions. <laughs> Give me that and I'll be happy. So, I mean, that's a franchise I think that that at least is lending some some interesting things to the conversation, but not ideal. I think that there's there's kind of there's one comic book character, I think, from from my recollection that I think was was a really positive portrayal. And that would be um, Oracle. Tell us about Oracle. Well, Oracle is... Uh, well, actually, you should tell us about Oracle because she becomes Oracle in one of your absolutely all-time favorite comic books. Oh, uh, you're talking about Barbara Gordon. I am yes. talking about Barbara Gordon. She doesn't actually become Oracle in that. She she well, becomes paralyzed in that fair favorite enough, comic that's book. True. We are referring to, of course, uh, Batman The Killing Joke, uh, which is uh, being turned into a uh, animated movie, and I'm very excited about it. Me too. Um, and it has a, a a very catchy rhyme in it, which I have memorized. Okay, now well, now you got to do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, let's see if I can remember this. When the world is full of care and every headline screams despair, when all is rape, starvation, war, and life is vile, 
Then there's this simple thing I do, which I shall pass along to you, which is always guaranteed to raise a smile. I go loony as a light bulb battered bug. Simply loony. Sometimes foam and chew the rug. Mr. Life is swell in a padded cell. It'll chase your blues away. You can trade your gloom for a rubber room and injections twice a day. When you're loony as an acid casualty or a moony or a preacher on TV. When the human... Uh, no, I've lost it. Well, it was pretty uh, good. Yeah, I, I got there. <laughs> However, it does lead straight into another uh, disability, which is poorly portrayed in comic books, and that is mental illness. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So if you look at uh, people who are mentally ill in comic books, they are always, always bad guys. There are no good guys who are mentally true. ill. Yes, that's a good there point. Are, there are good guys who are maybe a little disturbed, maybe even depressed, Well, which I suppose is a form of mental illness, so I'm generalizing too much. But schizophrenia, bad guy, automatic. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pretty much there all the time. Yep. Batman seems to be the worst for that. If you think of most Batman villains, they're just a bunch of crazy people and sorry i don't mean to use that in an offensive way but it's true like <laughs> right. they, they have some type of you know i guess what you'd consider a mental illness yeah the I joker mean, the, the penguin joker, yeah the, the riddler, riddler yeah yep all the big ones yeah so you mentioned a term uh earlier that uh the super crip so it's um no, it sounds sorry, super. We, we didn't coin that term by no the way. we <laughs> we didn't coin the term and and it it sounds fairly offensive, but it's a it's considered an archetype. But it's the idea that there are characters in comic books that have superpowers but are disabled, and those superpowers essentially negate the disability. Kind of, you know. So a good example again, Daredevil. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the amputee, like Winter Soldier. There's another good example from a from the the both the movies and the comics. You know, he's an amputee. But he has a giant bionic arm. So really, how is that a disability? Yeah, you know, again, when we were talking about the uh, the list, there was Luke Skywalker listed as an amputee. However, he's got an artificial hand that is absolutely, perfectly 100% functional and slows him down in no way whatsoever. So, mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I would argue that a bionic limb is better than a normal limb. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll have some bionic limbs, please. Mm-hmm. Hang on, let me grab my hacksaw. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's not necessarily uh, a positive portrayal of of a disability. I mean, it's I guess it's you, one could argue that it's not necessarily a negative, but it's I guess the point is it's not a realistic depiction of what it's like to be disabled. Right. And I think that that's that's sort of the core of a lot of these is that they're not they're not realistic portrayals of of disability yeah so let's let's talk a, a, a bit about um what what you could call heightened abilities in people with disabilities and I'm, I'm harking back again to daredevil daredevil seems to be our fallback position here um you know daredevil um essentially uses echolocation for for everything only he's not making any kind of noise so echolocation typically um it's a real thing um there there are a number of practitioners of it um, and, uh, you basically make some sort of noise off in a click with your tongue like that. And you over time can learn the ability to, um, hear information about your surroundings. 
Um, there's a fellow named Dan Kish in the States who uh, is very well known for uh, doing workshops on this. And I've seen Dan uh, do his thing, and it can be pretty remarkable. Uh, one example that I saw w- was done locally here. Um, they took a, a ball, they put it in the middle of a field, and they said, all right, go find it. And Dan went off and he found it Wow! in a very short period of time. I don't remember exactly what the time was, but then they asked somebody else who was not an echolocator to go do the same thing. And of course they stumbled all over the place and couldn't find the ball. Um, Dan has used it to ride a bike. Wow. Uh, he uses it, uh, in, you know, just for general mobility to, to help navigate his surroundings. Uh, but he's become very, very good at this. And there, there are some famous, uh, echolocators in the past. Ray Charles was a, was an echolocator. Really? Um, he often walked that? around with no cane at all when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, you know, this is, this is something that's a, a, a practiced ability, which, um, people are, are capable of learning with, with time and patience. Um, it's cool, maybe not super, but it's super cool. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Yeah. So there's a, you know, if you if you tone down Daredevil's ability, there, it's not outside the realm of possibility. It's not outside the realm of possibility. It's just terribly, terribly exaggerated. Yeah. So I'd say the other the other common theme in terms of disability in comic books is also used to sort of juxtapose against the superpower. In the comics, uh, historically, uh, Thor was kind of, it was kind of like the Hulk, where this this guy named Donald Blake, he was a doctor, and he used a cane. He was sort of hobbled. And he would be able to summon Thor by, I think, smashing his hammer or smashing a cane or something. He was able to sort of transform into Thor, much like Bruce Banner transforms into the Hulk, except he was able to control it and he would turn into Thor. And and so this idea that, you know, the sort of infirm hobbled guy is, you know, an Asgardian god as an, as an alter ego kind of juxtaposition. And I think that that's a common usage of of disability in some of the older comic books. I don't think it's very prevalent these days, but certainly historically it was. Well, I think, um, you know, um, superheroes now are more out than they were in the past. They were, Mm -hmm. they were more hidden and closeted in in the past. And now, you know, with, um, superhero pride, it's a lot easier to, (laughs) you know, come out and be be more open about your superhero-ness. I would not want to go to the superhero pride parade because that's just asking for trouble. That's just like <laughs> every year just destroys the city center. <laughs> that's a recurring theme though in a lot of the more recent movies like the Avengers. It's, it's kind of like society turns on them, you know. They try and do well for everybody but it ends up causing more havoc than you know that's because they haven't learned to take the fight outside it's true i mean come on if you're going to have a superhero fight take it into you know the wilds of arizona or something (laughs) you don't do it in the middle of new york city what are you thinking people it's true but again same with x-men it it kind of shows the otherness of um i guess superpowers and like we were saying it could be looked as um, a disability, looked upon as a disability. Yeah, it's certainly treated in the same way of, of it being isolating and and sort of alienating and sort of a deviation from the norm. This idea that, 
that disability in and of itself is is something that's undesirable and needs right. to be fixed or that needs to be um, overcome instead of instead of a portrayal where it's just hey I'm disabled yeah this is this yeah. is my life yeah I just want to be included right right and treated, and, treated equally and you know it's sort of so to get back to Oracle because we should talk about Oracle yes, because it, it's she's actually a, a fairly large player in this in the comic world yeah um, because for many years uh, she was kind of the poster child for like a, a disabled person in the comic and so, so d- how much do you know about Oracle I really don't know anything about Oracle you know I, I I've never been a huge comic book reader um, largely because um, my my parents, when I was a kid, only let me buy certain comic books. Archie was okay. Richie Rich was okay. Uh, but superhero ones, no, they didn't want anything to do with superhero ones. So huh. not not exactly sure why that is. So, um, yeah, my, my, um, my actual comic book uh, superhero knowledge is, is stunted. Yeah, I can't say I can't say that I'm super familiar with her either. Um, although in doing the research for this week's show, I totally want to go and read mm-hmm. uh, that entire run of comics. Um, but essentially, I mean, so Barbara Gordon used to be Batgirl. And she was shot by the Joker and became paralyzed. And and then became sort of a... Be- well, I, w- I, don't want to say, I don't even want to marginalize her by saying she's a behind-the-scenes superhero. But she she becomes a computer expert. And, and she's, she's really important, actually. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. She's the brains behind the operation. Right. 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 So despite the fact that she's in a wheelchair, uh, she's still able to, you know, be instrumental. And, you know, and she had had her own series um, for, I think, I think Birds of Prey started around 91 or 92 and it ran through to 2011. Hmm. Um, so many years she had and, and people loved her. Yeah. Well, from what I read, um, she seems to be one of the few characters that actually has a more realistic portrayal of someone with a disability. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And and people really responded to that. And for whatever reason, um, DC in in 2011, when they sort of rebooted their universe in the new 52, um, they ended up, quote, curing her um, and, and sort of made her into Batgirl again. And uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of blowback from that mm-hmm. from fans. Uh, people were really upset. It's pretty interesting, though, because when I was reading about it, um, the DC editors and writers and whatnot, they they were pretty against that initially. Um, they they basically said there were not enough handicapped superheroes in the DC universe to justify curing one. And because it would have been odd to see Barbara Gordon escape from her wheelchair in the world of fiction when Christopher Reeve never had that opportunity. So again, they're, you know, comparing it to reality and a man that was viewed as a um a superhero superman he you know he can't just simply be cured so yeah that's right i think it, it you know it does it does send a bad message um that that it's necessary had to be cured well especially because she was such an integral part of the dc universe um 
there was a lot of stuff comparing her to Batman. Like usually Batman's viewed as untouchable and super intelligent and is one of the few that has access to, you know, so much information. But yet she she was kind of on his level in that regard. Yeah, that's right. And in the, during the course of the comic book, I mean, she had relationships. She had a, a sexual relationship with, with Robin um, for a while. So Bone chicken, wow, wow. That's right. You know, and so again, you know, this is in a comic where, in general, people with disabilities they're seen as asexual. They they don't they're not shown in in terms of romantic relationships or so. I mean, it it was a really breakthrough comic book that that um, and important to a lot of people. Let's talk a little bit more about um, the the role of the villain and uh, disability portrayals in the role of the villain. Um, uh, people with dwarfism. Okay. Has there ever been a dwarf superhero yes really Why well we? so well maybe sort of who well puck we puck was but i mean but puck was oh puck was a superhero. short yeah he was short yeah he was part of alpha flight i mean i don't remember what his superpower is but i think he just they just made like a short and stocky he teamed up with hockey stick and he could fly really fast <laughs> strong guy he's the only one that i can think of yeah that that to me, is, is um, one where you you always seem to see them portrayed as villains. You rarely see them portrayed as as um, heroes. Another thing you notice with villains too sometimes is um, if there's something in their story arc that disables them in any way, that kind of prompts their turn into a villain. Yes, like Two Face is yes. an example of that. Yes. Severe burns. Yeah, right. That's a very good point. It, like the disability drives them mad, and yeah. like they, or they, or they become so hateful and resentful that mm-hmm. they just they turn evil. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. What's another example? There's definitely a lot. I just. Uh, well, heck, you could say the Joker, right? Because the joke doesn't the Joker fall into like a vat of acid? Yeah, that's yeah, true. He's a, he's a, uh, depending on which story arc you're looking at, he uh, he was a mobster who fell right. into a vat yeah. of yes. some sort of chemical. So I guess technically he was kind of a bad guy initially. Yeah, he wasn't very nice to begin with. No, but yeah. still, but he went from mobster to uh, yeah. To criminal mastermind I super guess. villain and, <laughs> yeah. and schizophrenic right yeah. like it just it drove him crazy mm-hmm. um oh what else what else what else well one, one thing i'm wondering about here is if we are pouring the snot out of every blind person who is uh who's listening to this podcast and the reason i ask that is because there there's virtually no described comic books yeah i looked into that a little bit and uh, i was a little shocked that there really there aren't very many accessible comic book options at all really yeah, yeah there's a lot of hmm. you know you can get describe movies describe tvs you can get you know books on tape you can get all kinds of stuff like that but there's virtually no work being done in described comic books Hmm. now there is an exception to that in our uh wanderings we found this site called comicsempower.com and it's a, a comic book store for the blind and actually, if you go onto the website visually, um, you uh, get a big message that says, welcome to the comic book store for the blind. This website is dark. The store can be heard, not seen using assistive technology. And uh, if you go and you scroll down the page without a screen reader of some kind, it is 
black. You can't see any of the text on it. Now, I want to I want to play for you the uh, the intro message from the uh, store. So I'm just going to refresh the page here. All around on the ceiling and the walls are big globes with mysterious bubbles inside them. Alan says, "Yeah, I suppose it's only fitting." That's awesome. That is. Really I know, cool. and that's such a teaser too. Fitting what? What's <laughs> fitting? How is it fitting? Anyways, that's but, great. Okay, uh, well, we'll ins- we'll definitely include that in the show notes. Yeah, if we uh, if we we can scroll down here because uh, you actually can trick it into showing you the text on the page by uh, doing a select all on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go down uh, the page. Um, They've got a, a comic book guide, which will teach uh, people about terminology uh, of comics and so forth. And then uh, you can uh, get into uh, different uh, different sections of the site. Um, they've got somewhere on the order of about 50 different comic books uh, currently up on the site, and they're adding to it all the time. Uh, they've got fantasy, sci-fi, drama, comedy, ghosts, pirates, and apparently everything else, which <laughs> is a tall order because... Um, I can't imagine they've got everything else. Well, (laughs) I guess we'll have to see. I guess. I think there's a big business opportunity out there for somebody to do described comic books. Yes. I'm actually shocked that they don't have that. I mean, obviously, I've personally never looked into it, but I find that really surprising. Yeah. Although it is a visual media, um, you know, a lot of of comics wouldn't be too hard to describe and uh, make accessible to people. Well, absolutely. And I mean, movies are are visual, but, but, you know, described movies are are commonplace. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess maybe the, the one thing that might hold them back is that I'm sure that it takes a lot of time to produce. And with the comics coming out once a month... And the sheer number of comics that come out every month, it might make it hard for them to to keep up. That is true. Mm-hmm. You'd have to pick a franchise and follow it. Yeah. Yeah. But, or maybe and, a few but, franchises. You know, either that or just be behind. Be a couple months behind what the what the current comic is, but you know, continue to see. There you go. Maybe that's a new business model. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As soon as this assistive technology gig craps out, that's I'm, <laughs> that's I'm what we're doing. That. Yeah. <laughs> I can be the voice of Batman. <laughs> I can be Mighty Mouse. <laughs> um, what superhero would you be, Rachel? Oh, God. I don't know. Could be Jean Grey. It's true. Could be a good Jean Grey. Yeah, so we, we should talk about um, talk about this guy in the UK who is, is starting up this comic book. Uh, yeah, he's the father of a, a daughter with spina bifida. And uh, he's uh, created a, uh, a comic book uh, about uh, people with disabilities, for people with disabilities, and he's now being backed by Marvel's uh, Stan Lee. Yeah, it's very cool. And, it's, and this is very much at the forefront of what we should talk about next is where comics are going and how things are getting better. Yeah, so this f- fellow's name is, uh, what's his name, Dan White. Uh, his daughter is 10 years old, and she is the... Uh, uh, his uh, superhero inspiration, which is cool. And uh, until last year, he was employed as an, as an electrical merchants. What? Electrical merchants. <laughs> I, it, it's a UK paper, so I assume hey. that means that he probably sold electrical stuff. I see. Uh, and he worked on his drawings on and off in his spare time. Uh, now he's doing it full time. And he's launched his own comic book called The Department of Ability based on a team of disabled superheroes who are set to save the world. Fronted by his daughter and her flying wheelchair. 
So you can find him at uh, www.departmentofability.com. Yeah, it sounds like it's getting some um, a, a lot of press, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, big things come to him because it, it's it's a very cool idea, and it's um, really it's about time. So this kind of brings me to, I guess, a different discussion point. But just after reading through some of those, um, I noticed that again, like you said it's all tech fixes you know and i guess technically that's what makes them superheroes but going back to oracle again she didn't need any type of fancy gadgets or like you said something to negate her disability right she she was just you know she used her natural abilities to i guess fight crime and do what she needed to do so i guess my question is you know is it possible for a person with a disability to um, you know, be a superhero without all the fancy, you know, technology and things like that. Right. There's stuff that essentially negates right. what their disability is. Exactly. Again, you know, you're seeing a lot of the sort of the common themes in terms of, you know, technology and, and stuff with this. But I think the point of this was that is that they're all disabled. They're all on a team and they're all um, fighting crime, fighting crime. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's a it it's I I guess the point of it is it's a little bit more of a positive portrayal than usual. And it's being done from a place of love. It is. Cosplay. Disabled cosplayers. Along with comics, of course, you get uh, people who are going to conventions, things like uh, Comic-Con. That's right. And uh, cosplay has become a huge thing. Dressing up as your favorite superhero or manga character or comic book character of some form. TV show. TV show, yeah. Um, Yeah, there's a site that we ran across called, uh, it is uh, cosability, cosability.tumblr, T-U-M-B-L-R.com. And it's a, a website for disabled cosplayers. There's a group of friends who uh, dress up as uh, their their favorite uh, heroes. And uh, each of them has uh, some some form of disability, which is very cool. And they're, uh, they're out there um, cosplaying away and uh, having a heck of a lot of fun by the looks of the pictures. Mm-hmm. Painting themselves all kinds of different colors. Yeah, and I think that this list... You know, this this is why I think that this topic is important. You know, I think when we first suggested it, it was a bit of a throwaway, but but it is actually important because comic books are so prevalent in society right now. You know, it's important for young people to, to, to have a sense of inclusion. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially when there is such a huge community associated with it, you know, like Comic-Con and all the different events they have. Nerds. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I think that that's, you know, that's why characters like Oracle, for example, are so important. You know, we've been we've been pretty negative so far in, in terms of of how how disability has been portrayed in comic books. Well, that's because in so many cases, it's just really poor portrayals. Right. So I guess my point is that it's starting to change. There is good news. Yeah. Um, so, so you want to look on the bright side. I want to look, yeah, on, the let's look on the bright side because I, I love comic books. I mean, more and more in general, I would say diversity is becoming more of a thing. Um, you know, there's our transgendered superheroes now. There's a plus size superhero. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, that's another case where uh, there's a, a negative portrayal of of people who are heavier. Uh, the vast majority of them are supervillains, um, right? 
Yes, yeah, absolutely. Kingpin. Yeah. Blob. I mean, that's offensive right there. The blob. <laughs> Jab, Jabba, the Hutt. <laughs> Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, right. and, and actually talking about diversity, I just read an article today that um, as a, uh, um, in the next uh, Star Trek movie, um, Mr. Sulu is coming out. Oh, that's awesome. They're, yeah. uh, they're making his character uh, uh, openly gay. Cool. And uh, it's kind of a nod to uh, George Takai, who, of course, made Sulu iconic in the first place, mm-hmm. who's been a, uh, a, a outspoken uh, LGBT, LGBT, LGBTQ plus, et cetera. There et cetera. we go. LGBTQ plus. <laughs> I can never keep that all straight. It keeps getting bigger. It yeah, to, yeah, it used to just be LGBT. <laughs> and then, well, it keeps on expanding out. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, it's a, a very positive nod to uh, to uh, Mr. Takai and uh, and all the work that he's done over the years. I think in general, though, comic books often reflect what's going on in society. Um, very you know, true. like in the '60s, for example, you saw Black Panther, who was the first African American um, superhero, which of course is when the civil rights movement was taking off in America, anyways. And uh, yeah, and I mean, I think once. There's more awareness, you know, around um, differences, then you, you'll start to see more of that in, I guess, pop culture in general. But Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it was just announced yesterday, right, that uh, the new Iron Man is going to be a 15-year-old black girl. Okay, and... and- that I have a problem with. Okay. Wait, what? Is that serious? That's yes. Dead serious. What? Yeah. Tony Tony Stark is stepping aside and he is giving his super suit to a 15-year-old black girl. Oh my goodness. Now, That's interesting. Here's my problem with it. <laughs> I have a 15-year-old daughter. There is no way that I'm ever giving my 15-year-old daughter a super suit. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, a tantrum now is <laughs> is bad enough, but a tantrum where she can fly off to Kazakhstan uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not going with that. No, I'm sorry. 15 is too young it's for true. a super suit. Well, you can't drive. You, if you can't even operate sure, a motor vehicle, you exactly. shouldn't have repulsors. Yeah. yeah. Like that just should be. Yeah. So they, so you'd have been fine if she had been 18. Uh, no. 21. Uh, still, she could vote. still pushing the limits. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, twenty-one at least they're they're a you know full-on legal adult and responsible for their own actions. So well, I was twenty-one. Yeah. I don't, wouldn't say I was responsible. I don't know. Legally, you were legally. legally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You you knocked down New York. You're responsible, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting. I guess the point though is things are things are rapidly changing in the industry, and and like Rachel said, you know, it's it's because of what's going on in our society, and and we're we're becoming more attuned to the idea of diversity. And so even in the last few years, there's, there's been some movement. In 2014, I believe, in Archie Comics, uh, they introduced a, um, a character in a wheelchair. So yeah, and the story behind that is, is pretty interesting. It, uh, basically, a, um, at a fan expo in Toronto, a woman in a wheelchair named Jewel Katz came up to one of the, the Archie writers uh, that was that was there. Dan Parent. Dan Parent, who is who is at a panel, and uh, just rolled up to him and asked him why there were no disabled characters in Archie comics, and they they got to talking, and um, lo and behold, a year later, uh, the character of Harper Lodge was introduced, who was uh, in a wheelchair. 
And uh, Harper Lodge is a fashion designer. She's of mixed race and uses a wheelchair following a car accident when she was a young girl. Uh, and the uh, parent was keen to uh, point out that she isn't just a disability character, uh, but uh, she's uh, part of the gang and just happens to be disabled. Right. And granted, Archie comics are, are different than, say, superhero comics. Yeah. But... They, they are kind of utopian. Right. I mean, really, realistically, how likely is it that a guy could hit on two girls that long and not have one of them kill him? <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I have noticed that, uh, that he Archie has been fighting zombies, and I believe the Predator, I believe there was a, there was a Predator crossover. I kid you not. There, there's been a lot of wacky crossovers with Archie. Yeah. yeah. So will we see more disabled characters portrayed in media in general? What do you think? I would say so. Um, you know, as, as Rachel pointed out, um, a lot of times the uh, the impetus behind uh, creation of new characters or changing the the way that characters are portrayed is a reflection of uh, society and society's values. And I think uh, as we have a greater understanding of uh, disability and people with disabilities, um, I think we'll have uh, better portrayals in comic books of uh, of those people. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well said. I think your superpower is well-spoken. You're a well-spoken man. Yeah. Let's <laughs> trying to, trying to think what my, who my uh, nemesis would be. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Stutterbot. <laughs> Spit it out, man. <laughs> That's your that's your catchphrase. It's <laughs> <laughs> your rally call. Um, all right. So what? So what have we what what have we learned today about disabilities in comic books? What can we sum this up as? Well, we I mean we learned just from the research that there were far more portrayals of disability in comics than we ever expected, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, uh, a huge proportion of them are people who are blind. Um, and a huge proportion of those have extraordinary abilities. Right. And uh, I guess uh, we've also learned that uh, uh, we can see already the, the trends in pop culture are, uh, are uh, improved portrayals, um, not as uh, parochial attitudes towards uh, people with disabilities. And uh, that's, that's good. Hopefully it's moving in, in, a, in the right direction. <laughs> And Archie has a lot of weird crossovers. Yeah. Archie has a lot of weird crossovers. So I'd say, I don't know, anybody out there who wants a reading recommendation, mm-hmm. I would, uh, I'd recommend go out and read Birds of Prey, uh, which is the, the series that features Oracle. That's who what I'm going to do. I think we've discovered is probably the, one of the best portrayals of a character with a disability. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, it looks like the tide's turning, but uh, it, we still have some a ways to go. And they need to put in wheelchair ramps in the X-Mansion. Yes, absolutely. Because that's ridiculous. Professor Xavier would never get out of his study in that place. And and let's face it, you know, you could say, but there's elevators. But that would never work because that place gets attacked like all the time, all the time, (laughs) constantly. And I'm sure the first time that alarm goes off, you're not supposed to use the elevator. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Have we have we put everyone to sleep yet? 
That would be a yes. <laughs> All right. Well, should we should we uh, should we leave it at that? I think we should. All right. Well, so uh, we we don't have any information about next week's show, but uh, it will, it'll be a show. It'll be a show. I'll be here. Steve will be here, and Ryan will likely he'll, be here. He'll be back, and and Rachel will breathe a sigh of relief. That's yep. right. She can go back to normal well, life. We'll see what the topics are. I may. I'll I'll be back. I'm sure at some point. I'm sure you will. Yep. Absolutely. Well, we do have that extra microphone. So. That's true. That's actually that is a good point. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Then that is going to do it for us this week. Thanks everybody for listening in. Um, if you have any comments, you want to let us know that we if we missed a comic book character that uh, or that you want us to follow up on. Let us know. Drop us a line. Our email address is Steve doesn't know. He's giving me a blank look. <laughs> ATBanterPodcast at gmail.com. Oh, so good. <laughs> and we also have a website, www.atbanter.com. And we have a Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com slash ATBanter, all one word. That's awesome. We got through that. I think we did. Yeah. I think we got through that unscathed. Although, now, nah, do we want to give the Aroga Technologies website? And, of course, for all your assistive technology needs, you can find us at www.aroga.com. That's A-R-O-G-A. Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, everybody. And uh, we will see you next week. And, oh. And I, you are. <sighs> do we have to do that? <laughs> Who, do I, wait, we do. Ah, I don't know. Okay. And I, I'm Rob Minow. I'm Steve Barkley. And I'm Rachel Nolan. And we will see you next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Aroga Technologies. Visit Aroga Technologies online at www.aroga.com. That's A-R-O-G-A dot com. Music provided by bensound.com.